All right, Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see... At just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you wake up this morning and uh, things just felt a little more right than usual? LSU beat Alabama. <laughs> finally. And, uh, you know, things are right in Louisiana again. So, uh, can't brag too much when it's been like eight years, but, you know, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> Before we get uh, too far into talking about pain and suffering, which is something that Alabama's feeling today, uh, I want to just mention to you there's one thing in your uh, bulletin here about mercy uh, that I needed to point out to you. One, I wanted you to notice that because we are uh, taking some donation of some items that we're going to be taking to the girls at, at our local Mercy house. Uh, but also, let me see if I'm going to, yeah. Also, uh, there's a dinner, a Mercy dinner this week. Uh, they've got a, a Christian recording artist named Ellie Holcomb is going to be performing. And then uh, I believe Nancy Alcorn is going to be speaking. And they've asked our church if we would uh, host a table there of eight people. So we need at least eight people from our church. I think Dale said he's already got a couple people. Uh, so we need six more. Uh, so that's Dale Green. If you uh, don't know Dale, talk to him about getting a, a, a couple seats at that table there's no you don't have to buy tickets or pay for your meal they will give you a chance to donate uh, to their ministry while you're there and so we encourage you to go it's always a good evening uh, to go out and visit that so that's Thursday night and if you want more details you can ask Dale Green and um, and he will let you know what's going on with that but uh, Julie and I have enjoyed that in the past so it's a good opportunity for you if you if you haven't been that's this Thursday we're in the second week of this series, um, Take Heart, and taken from this, this um, verse where Jesus said, reminded us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so we're in a, in a series about trouble. We're in a series about pain and suffering. Uh, but since we're not a, a glass half empty sort of group, we're taking the glass half full approach and looking at it from the take heart into things. That yes, there's problems, 
but take heart. There's reason to take heart. There's reason to have courage. There's reason not to back down from the troubles that we'll face. And so last week we began by just saying that um, this, first, this first phrase, we don't want suffering, but we do expect it. And we talked about the need just to change our expectations a little bit. Uh, in America, we have a tendency to expect not to suffer, that we shouldn't have to suffer, that we shouldn't have to deal with problems and troubles, that we should be able to figure it out. The doctor should be able to figure it out. Uh, God should fix it. Faith should fix it. Whatever. We shouldn't have to have problems. And uh, so it, we get really frustrated when we do. So we talked about changing and shifting our expectations a little bit, that we don't want suffering. It's not like we're saying, give me some suffering, you know, but, but troubles will come. Troubles will come. And so we should expect that. Uh, if that's a little bit unusual of a message, uh, it's going to get more unusual today and even more unusual next week. We're just going to keep ramping it up until we think we're crazy. So, um, have you ever seen, heard this phrase, no pain, no gain? You ever hear this? I think it was on advertising back in like the 90s or 80s or something. That it was like some company came out, no pain, no gain. Um, of course, now it's like, you know, in every gym or uh, anyone who decides they're going to work out or, you know, every January uh, when people decide they're going to get in shape, no pain, no gain. That's what we tell ourselves, right? Uh, sometimes people also say this. They say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? And you've heard these, these phrases. These are things we tell ourselves to, uh, you know, get some courage, you know, to take heart. Yep, yep, no pain, no gain. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Really, these could just about be taken out of the pages of Scripture, though, in some ways. Except... Christians are even crazier because we think that even the stuff that kills us can make us stronger. So, you know, you got nothing. <laughs> it's nothing you, can't, you can throw at us that our God can't make something even better out of. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about this crazy perspective today. One of the really important parts of really growing or excelling in anything in life, whether it's your studies or whether it's something, you know, athletic, or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, one of the really important things is to adopt some kind of perspective like this. Because unless you're willing to view short-term pain as worth it for the long-term, you're just not going to experience anything much of worth in this life. Unless you're willing to accept some short-term pain you're not going to experience much good in life. Every lady who's ever given birth to a child knows this, right? Every athlete who's ever won a championship knows this. Every, I mean, every kid that's aced a test, almost every kid, some of them just ace tests because that's what they do, but almost every kid that's ever aced a test knows this to be true. That you have to go through something difficult. You have to experience something unpleasant. You have to um, have the pain before you have the gain, right? And why do we expect that the rest of life would be any different? That our faith would be any different? That our, we say spiritual life sometimes, as if it's its own compartment, as if it doesn't pervade everything in your life. But 
Why do we think that our spiritual life, our relationship with God, this pursuit of the God life, of a better way of life, why do we think it would be different? We live in a world where the problem of pain and suffering and troubles looms large. It occupies a lot of people's thoughts. Some people run to God because of pain and suffering that they face. Many people run away from God or shake their fist at God because of pain and suffering. Some people just check out of life because of pain and suffering. So what do we do as Christians? We said last week that we don't want it, but we do expect it. But isn't there more than that? The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, it's a long intellectually rigorous sort of uh, book. If you've ever tried to just breeze through Romans, you failed. Because you can't just breeze through this book. It's not a breezy read, you know. It takes a lot of thinking to get through it. Uh, but this little section here, he reminds us, look, we've been justified through faith. We're made, we're made right with God. We have peace with God through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of, glory, of the glory of God. And then this is what stuck out to me as we start into this little passage. He said, not only so, as if there's more. Like, we glory in the fact that we've been made right with God. We glory in the fact that we've gained access by faith into this unexplainable grace in which we now stand made right with God in this special relationship with God where we come as a child to a father. This God who loves us and cares for us, this hope that we have now in him, all this glory, but that's not all, he says. There's more to glory in. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Well, of course, Paul. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Like, we have, like, he, he, he shares all these wonderful things we have to glory in. Look what God's done for you. Look how you're justified and made right. And not only that, but you can glory in your sufferings. And everyone's like, oh, <laughs> thanks, Paul. I wonder how the Romans felt when they got this letter. We were tracking with you, Paul, until you said suffering. <laughs> Why are we uh, going to glory in our sufferings? And uh, thankfully, he doesn't leave it without an explanation. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. There's a chain reaction that takes place when we face trials, when we face troubles, when we place, uh, face Sufferings with our faith in Christ held strong. The word perseverance, I did a little bit of a word study on some of these words because, as you know, the, uh, the, book, the letter to, to the Romans was written in the Greek language, Koine Greek, and not English. So they translate these words, and sometimes it's hard to capture the full meaning of them. So perseverance uh, involves patient Persistent endurance. You're enduring through something. You're holding on to your faith through the suffering, through the trial. 
Character is a word that literally means to be proven or approved. Like if you're in a courtroom and the evidence is indisputable in your favor. It's that word. Character uh, doesn't encapsulate it all. That It produces a kind of character that's confident in what it is, in, in its firmness, in its rightness. In its, so think of it like this. It's a little bit like you come through suffering, you persevere through it, and at the back side of it, you've produced character, you've built up your faith because you look back and you say, look, my faith made it through that, <laughs> made it through that. I just came through that with my faith intact. So my faith must be real. My faith must be a little bit stronger. And that produces hope. In turn, it's this chain reaction of we persevere, we endure through the suffering, through the trial, and then that produces this provenness about our character, about who we are, about our faith. We've been tested, we've been tried, and we've been found true. And that and results in hope. But yeah, my faith is intact. God saw me through that so I can continue to cling to the hope that he is going to make this right, that he has good things in store for the future. These things are things that it's pretty hard to develop without suffering or without trouble or without trials. I mean, how do you develop perseverance without something to persevere through? We talk a lot about character and we try to instill our kids with character, but we don't really know if they have it until something hits, right? Until they go through something. Uh, hope. You don't need hope, really, unless you're going through some kind of trouble, suffering, pain. And so we see that according to scriptures, these things come through hardship. These good things are built up in us through difficulty. If it's true of our first birth into this world, then surely it's also true of our second birth into our faith. So we're born again into a new family, into a new faith, into a new way of life. We learn in much the same way. We grow in much the same way. We become battle-tested in much the same way. This was the Apostle Paul, uh, but James, the brother of, uh, of Jesus, said a very similar thing. He said, uh, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, which sounds a lot like the character that Paul talked about. And so it's the same principle that when you face trials of many kinds, when you face suffering, when you face um, pain, when you face trials in this life, one of the reasons that we take heart, one of the reasons that we uh, don't back down from it, is because we know 
that if we persevere through it, we will have gained something. That it will have proven worth it in some way. Jesus himself uh, talked about enduring trials and persecution. And that if we face you know, suffering for identifying with Jesus, that we will be gaining something greater. Peter talked about this as a refining process in his letters to the church. That, you know, like a refining metals. If you refine metals, uh, you have to heat it up to crazy temperatures to where metal melts. And then the impurities can float to the top and those can be cleaned off. And so, similarly, Peter said, it's like we have to be put through a flame to get the impurities to rise up and skimmed off the top. So all these guys, I mean, it couldn't be more consistent, could it? Jesus and all of his apostles consistently taught that we should glory, that we should be thankful, as it were, for the trials and the sufferings that we go through because we gain from it. And so our, our statement today, last week was, we don't want suffering, but we do expect it. This week, we don't seek suffering, but we do gain from it. We're not a bunch of weirdos that are going around looking for a way to suffer so that we can gain. <laughs> Life's hard enough without looking for any extra, right? We're not out there looking for a, an extra bonus trial. But, we do expect it to come, and we know that when it does come, it presents an opportunity. An opportunity for growth, an opportunity for gain in the things that matter most in life. Isn't it interesting that a financial trial that sets you back financially and might seem like a great loss in the eyes of the world is an opportunity in God's kingdom for great gain. That a situation where you lose your physical health is a great trial in the eyes of the world and yet an opportunity for the Christian to grow in an eternal way that lasts beyond this body that we wear. It's pretty radical stuff. And I thought maybe I should mention that there's a contrast between what Christians believe about this kind of thing and what you hear about in some other religions, like uh, you hear sometimes about jihadists that, um, you know, think if they go out with like a suicide bomb or something, then they're going to wake up in paradise with, you know, pretty ladies all around just waiting to take care of them in the next life. Or, you know, the kamikaze guys in Japan back in the day. And, you know, there's people who, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to gain from this. Let's go, you know, and then, then they blow somebody up or something, which is so far from what Jesus was talking about and his apostles were talking about. They weren't blowing anybody up, for starters. It wasn't about violence or inflicting violence on anyone. You weren't earning anything. That's another thing worth mentioning. You're not earning anything when you persevere. You're not coming out of a trial saying, well, I deserve something, a medal now. You know, <laughs> like, you're not earning something by going through this, but you are gaining something by going through this. You are building up your perseverance, your character, your faith, your hope. These things that can deliver a lasting reward, a lasting result. 
You're coming to understand that God is the God who can see you through anything. And so you build up your confidence in who he is. I can look back on uh, you know, the, the season, probably the, the hardest season that uh, Julie and I went through in our uh, you know, relatively short lives to this point. Uh, was when she was, of course, sick in the hospital in ICU, with, uh, pregnant with Peter, and uh, there's just a lot of questions and a lot of struggle and a lot of pain and a lot of uh, misery and just a, it was a season that we wouldn't care to relive. But we came through that also, knowing that God had seen us through yet another storm, and that our faith was still intact, and that gives you a confidence for the future that you wouldn't have without that. That other trials will come, but we've already been through some stuff. And God was faithful. And our faith held up. We persevered. Our character was proven. So in some way, we had that gain. But there's a couple other ways that we gain from Trials, and I, I want to use a couple of illustrations for you that I think help. But before I dive into some practical side of things, I, I want to keep mentioning that these messages, and when I give you tips on what you can do to, or how you can view this, uh, if you're in the midst of a big trial right now or a lot of grief or something like that, uh, this is not the way we would comfort you. It's <laughs> by reminding you in the midst of your trial, um, that, yeah, but you should have expected it, and you're going to gain from it. Stick in there, bucko. <laughs> you know, like, this is not meant to uh, be lighthearted towards you in any way. There's a good resource, uh, by the way, I, that I've heard tons of good things about, called Hope in the Dark, and it's by Craig Rochelle, who's a, an author and a preacher that's well-respected, and a, a lot of folks who have been through really difficult times uh, when life is really not good. Uh, this is about believing God is good. And so you might check that out sometime. Hope in the dark. How do we gain? I want you to think about uh, maybe looking at trials and the things that are coming up in your life in the future through a couple of new lenses. So one of them is uh, taking you back to school or maybe you're already in school at the moment and when you're in school at the moment your teacher likes to test you sometimes nowadays the education system is obsessed with testing it's all about the test uh, but we would probably all agree that any kind of education system that didn't have some form of testing in it isn't worth much because at some point, you've got to figure out what you know and what you don't know. And you've got to figure out if you can use what you know. You know, it's one thing to, uh, to learn something, to memorize it. Can you put it to use? Can you put it to practice? And so, we test. Not very many people like tests, right? How many of you really enjoy a good test at school? You know, back in your day, that was the good part of school. Nobody. Nobody liked that part. Everyone's favorite part, of course, is when they get their test back with the red ink all over it. Right? That's always good. 
And yet, the red ink tells you what you don't yet know. The red ink tells you what you still need to work on. It reveals something that hasn't yet been perfected or understood. And likewise, the tests that we experience in life, the trials that we go through, if, if we can be brave enough to look back afterwards and give ourselves a grade with the help of God's Spirit, if we pray and say, God, what can I take away from that? Show me some red ink. Those trials have a way of showing us what we still have to work on, right? What we still haven't quite figured out. What we haven't practiced enough. If you look back and see, man, I, I didn't pray much through that trial, then maybe we need to spend some time getting in the habit of praying, getting better at praying. Or maybe you look back and say, and I wasn't very kind in that season. So what, what can I do, what can I practice now to do better next time? What verses can I memorize so that I can keep them in mind next time? There's another kind of test that's common. And this one we like a lot better. Um, and that's the kind that you have like in sports. That's the kind you have in any kind of competition, whether it's, you know, debate or uh, football, right? Whatever the thing is, can you imagine if you just went to football practice every day or you just went to basketball practice or baseball practice or whatever your thing is every day and you never played a game? That would be boring. So <laughs> you'd have to play a game at some point to figure out if you're any good. You've got to see how you measure up against the competition, right? you got to see, uh, it, it's interesting, you, you practice and you practice and you practice, and then you get on the field or you get on the court and you find out real fast what you should have practiced more, right? You find, so in that way, it's kind of similar to a, a test in school that you show up and you say, wow, okay, we can even if you win the game, there's usually something you can say, there's what we need to work on. There's what we need to work on this week. And so it's similar in that way. But there's something else that is very obvious about, and it's actually true of school tests too, but we see it more with uh, sports and things like that, is that the game actually helps make you a better athlete. Like, practice is necessary, but it can only take you so far. There's something about playing the game, about playing in a competitive situation, that requires you to put more on the line than what you put in practice. That requires you to think faster and act faster than you do in practice. It's just more intense. You can't replicate the game in practice. I mean, the coach can set it up and he can say, okay, you know, there's two seconds left on the clock and you've got two free throws. You know, he can, he can put the scenario out there, but it's not the same, is it? as when you're in that game and your whole team's counting on you or whatever, you know. Like those moments can't be replicated. And it's through experiencing those moments that you get better. So you have to have a combination, right? You have to have a combination of both practice and 
the test. And it's the same in our faith. You have to have a combination of both. So I would suggest that in our faith, practice is kind of like, uh, we talk about spiritual disciplines around here, right? So it's the things that you practice in your faith. It's, it's, it's the praying. It's the thinking about Scripture. Thinking about, you know, you hear a sermon, but do you think about the, something, you know, the Holy Spirit's probably going to do something in your brain that probably isn't what I intended to plant there, but He's going to plant it there. And he's going to give you a thought. And are you going to just leave that thought? Or are you going to let that thought live with you for a while? Are you going to think about it and how it applies to your life? These are ways that we practice. You know, we, you can journal. You can, uh, there's a lot, you can have times of silence and solitude. There's all these things that you can do. Even gathering with other believers is a way of practicing our faith. Even doing life together, doing church together, all these things can help. But at some point, you've got to put that to use. At some point, you've got to have it tested and see what you still yet have to work on. And so that you can just grow in a way that you can't grow in practice. And so in life, we have both the opportunity to practice and the opportunity to go through tests, trials, pain and suffering. And these things, just like a, a game makes an athlete better at doing their game, at playing their game, so trials make us better and stronger with our faith. It's the same kind of principle. So they show us where we need work and they help us to get better. And that's why we say that we gain from pain and suffering. So I want to ask you, do some thinking real quick. Is there a trial that you went through in the past, maybe even the recent past, where you could look back and prayerfully seek out where you need spiritual growth? Like you could just ask the Holy Spirit to show that to you so that you can then work out what you need to be doing to be ready for the next trial. Sometimes it's easy to go through life and not do much thinking about life, right? And who has time for that? We're busy. On to the next thing, on to the next problem. But if we're going to make these things count for something, if we're going to partner with the Holy Spirit and and gain from the suffering that we experience, then at some point you've got to reflect a little bit, and you've got to look back on what you've been through, and see, hey, what did I do well? What do I need to work on? And how can I work on it? So is there some trial that you need to spend some time praying through? And, on a positive side of things, can you identify a way that a trial of some kind, big or small, has served to strengthen your spirit or your faith or your hope or your character? Can you at least celebrate that you persevered through that thing with your faith intact? Because if you can do that, it adds some credibility to your faith. And that's worth something.
again. One of the important parts of really growing and excelling in any part of life is recognizing that, well, no pain, no gain. And that the trials that we go through in life can actually make us stronger. Not because we're so great, but because our God is so great. Not because we're so strong, but because He's so strong. All these same guys that taught us these things, Jesus, Peter, Paul, they also taught us that it's not our strength. It's actually in our weakness that we experience the strength of God. And that's where we find this stick to this courage, this take heart. The world likes to lie and say, oh, we've got this, right? They like to say, we're strong enough. You're strong enough. You can do it. And Christians have been saying, God is strong enough. He's big enough. He can do it. We don't put our confidence in our skills. We put our confidence in Him. He's more than able to see you through anything that you might experience in this life, even death. Even death can make us stronger. Even what kills you can make you stronger when your life is in the hands of the eternal and almighty God. So while we're not seeking out suffering, we're perfectly willing to endure it, knowing that what we gain makes it worth it. Hope is for those who recognize their need for it, and it's realized by those who endure. So take heart. In this world, you'll have trouble. But we know somebody who overcame the world, right? Will you lay down your life and take up your cross? Will you follow the one who went through the suffering of the cross to bring hope and life to you and I? There is new and wonderful life on the other side of our trials. Let's pray together. Father, Would we dare to say thank you for the trials, for the pain, for the suffering? So many of our brothers and sisters are suffering because they identify with Jesus. But everyone who lives in this world has troubles, and we're not excluded. So even when we're just grappling through the, uh, the grief or the tragedy or, or even just the everyday problems that we face that are so common, we give you thanks for the hope of gaining through it. We confess our weakness. We confess that it's hard for us to see trials as anything but just awful. But Holy Spirit, give us a fresh perspective. Take the trials that we face and use them for something. Bring something good out of them. Produce fruit and maturity and character in us. We pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen.